Welcome once again this Monday afternoon to Gardening Talkback. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp as per usual. Scott, how are you? I'm in awe today, mate. I'm in, in awe. absolute awe. Of me? Uh, as always. I mean, that just goes without said. That's just part of the contract you don't even have to mention. It's an implied term, I think they call it. Oh, it's nice to hear every now and then, though. But what I'm actually in awe of, it's the, just the tiniest little things, and it's actually nature that I'm in awe of today. Oh, that's very good. Nature can make you fall in love. Can it? Yeah, it can make a blue whale, and it can make the tiniest little rosebud just come out when the time's right. And that's what just impressed me so much yesterday. Fair enough. I think there's something in that for everyone. Yeah. Why was that yesterday? Oh, the sun was out, you know, the roses had been potted up, and all of a sudden they just sprang back into life. It was just beautiful to see. A beautiful day for the garden. Yeah, I was in awe. What do you got planned for us today, Scotty? Well, I thought we'd talk about roses. Very good. I thought we'd talk about some numbers, and we might even talk about walnuts as well. Walnuts. Yes. You love your nuts. I absolutely do. Now, Scott, you've got a bit of a treat for our listeners today, a special prize. Yes, I thought we might give away a secret prize today. A secret prize. A secret prize. Yeah, we won't tell anyone what it is yet, but it will have something to do with what someone rings in about. So it might be a cure. Okay. Or a replacement for something they've rung in about. So I hope no one rings in and says, you know... Or a rake. A rake, yeah. Maybe not a rake. No, something more exciting than that. <laughs> it's Gardening Talkback, and straight away we've got Beryl from Kiliburn Bay. How are you doing, Beryl? I'm fine, thank you. you How got, are you both? We are both well. Now, you've got problems with your stepnosis? Stephanotis. Stephanotis. Yes. yes, it's about 25, 30-year-old. Wow. And um, I've got three of them, really. Oh. And um, last in the summer, we got a bad infestation of scale. Yes. You know, the little brown things that stick to it. That I do, yep. And we treated it, and, and I forget what he treated it with. What did you treat it with? Anyway, um, it, it's just killed half of it, and I was wondering, could we cut it back as far as we can uh, and let it shoot up again? Uh, and when can I do it? Please? Yeah, look, you certainly can do that with Stephanotis. Uh, Stephanotis is a, a climber that uh, grows mostly in the shade. It's fairly slow growing, but it has these beautiful white fragrant flowers on it. Yes. Now, the trouble with uh, any climber, I guess, is that it's hard to, you know, you want to cut it back to a point, but it's often hard to trace it back to that point. So if you cut, you know, one thing, all of a sudden a whole portion of the climber might die, uh, you know, where you don't necessarily want it to. So the answer to you is yes, Beryl, you, you can cut it back, uh, but you have to be very careful about it and just make sure you're actually cutting the right place. So uh, mm. what's the old carpenter's thing? Measure twice and cut once or something like that. And I guess it's oh, a bit okay. the same with, uh, with you know, yep. cutting back a climber. You've got to uh, measure and make sure you're cutting back at the right point. Otherwise, you're going to do a fair bit of damage. Uh, I wouldn't do it at the moment because no. most climbers are, you know, tropical or semi-tropical. Yeah. I would probably wait until it starts to warm up again. And that's not too far away. I know we've got a whole ski season to get through yeah. before mm-hmm. then. But uh, by mid-August, all should be well and you'll be able to give it a cut back mm. then. So I'd definitely mm. wait until then. Well, you, you said that they love shade. Mine's in full sun all day and it's massive. Oh really? So often when I've Both seen, of them. oh, when I've of seen, them. often seen them in the full sun, they just, you know, they have that sort of slightly, uh, you know, pale appearance to them. But <laughs> but we do often sell them as a climber that will grow in the shade. So uh, and they and the, the I think the old thing with Stephanotis is that they like to have their root system uh, kept cool. Yes, yeah. well, this one is so big. The roots is we've got it on a stand and then it projects out onto another stand, and the roots are in the shade uh, underneath it. Okay, so they're not going to overheat or anything no, like that? No, no. So what's the best to feed it, please? Uh, so any, look, you can uh, feed, uh, I'd probably just use, uh, you know, a poultry manure on your stephanotis just to give it a feed. Is it in a pot or in the ground? 
in the ground. That's in the ground. So, yes, some poultry manure. That'll get the green leafy growth uh, going for you. And then you can also get some sulphate of potash uh, and uh, mix that up and water that into the area as well to uh, promote the flowering of the plant. Okay. Thank you very much. That's all right. Um, okay. You so know, I'll we, wait till it warms up. I'd definitely do that. We'd love to help. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Beryl. Bye. Jeez. Thanks very much, Beryl. Now, Scott, what do you know about stag borer? Oh, I... Yeah, I know about stag borer. They they go in and they do a lot of damage and they, you get sort of the, the stuff coming out, the sawdusty stuff coming out. All right, because Michelle from Glendale wants to get rid of it. Okay, how can we help you with your stag, Michelle? Hello, Scott. Yeah, we've got some dramas with this stag of mine. It's actually a 30-year-old plant, so it was once magnificent. And there I, was, I thought you were going to be talking about your husband there for a while. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we've tried um, Confitter twice at half strength, which was suggested to us. Yes. And it's making absolutely no difference. We've still got the sawdust coming out, and you can see where it's actually chewing up little pieces and spitting them out onto the veranda. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely wrecking the stag, now, and we just can't get rid of him. Michelle, what were you using, or what chemical were you using on it again? Confidor. Oh, Confidor, yeah. Now, Confidor, is it? And that's, okay. a, that's exactly what I would recommend, and maybe I did recommend it to you. Uh, yeah, com- you did. Yeah, Confidor at half strength in the watering yep. can and drench it right down through the plant. We've done that. Okay. Yeah, but we can't get rid of him. The only thing I would say to you then is to up the dosage and perhaps do it at full strength in that case. Now, the reason I've always said do it at half strength, and uh, because it's a sort of a bit of an old wives tale I guess I've heard but it's actually true is stag horns are quite touchy so you have to uh, you know go in soft with them at first mm-hmm. and um, I'd just go and use it at full strength now. What about we were thinking um, maybe soaking it in a tub with the, the confidor in it? Yeah look if, if you, you... Know, if you he can... seems to be getting away. He, he doesn't seem to be affecting him at all. Okay, well, if, if you think you can successfully get it down there and get it into the tub, uh, you can yes. certainly do that and leave it in there for half an hour and really let it drench through the plant. The thing with yep. Confidor, though, is, is it's a, a semi-systemic uh, spray as well. So it works as a contact spray and it works as a systemic spray. And that means it gets absorbed in uh, through the plant and anything that's chewing it should actually die through it. But if you think you can actually lift it up and uh, get it into a tub or a large bucket of some sort... I'd do that. All right, then. Well, we might try that for about half an hour. Yeah, for about half an hour. I'd probably up the dosage as well for it. For the, to the full strength? Yeah, go up to full strength, yep. Well, it's absolutely wrecked. It was beautiful six months ago, and now it just looks like it's going to die. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. once it warms up, you'll find it will start to reshoot for you. But, yeah, definitely try and up that dosage and get it into a, into a better drench. Okay, then. I'll try that then. Okay. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Here's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Kevin from Cahiba. Kevin, how, how can we help you, mate? Good day, Scott. Um, I want to know whether iron chelates and iron sulphate are interchangeable. I spray my azaleas and camellias every couple of months with iron sulphate, iron chelates rather, and um, Epsom salt, sea salt. And I'm out of it, but I have iron sulphate. Can I use that instead? I don't think so. I'm no chemist, but I would think that chelated iron and sulfurized iron would be two different things. Right. Uh, I, I wouldn't do that. I have to make some further investigations about that, which I can do, and um, I'll get back to you about it. Okay, that would be terrific. Yeah. I'm not particularly worried. It's just that I was out of it and the mate had the iron 
self ate and he said, hey, you can have it. So I thought, well, can I use it or can't I? Yeah, I've, I've always thought they're completely different things, but, uh, you know, just the, I mean, the name of them is different. So I, I would be careful about doing that before we get back to you about it. Okay, then. Excellent. Okay. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Helen from Morpeth. How can we help you, Helen? Hi, I've got a, uh, a Daphne plant. Yes. Um, how are you, Scott? Sorry about that. Bad no, that's all, that's all right. We're, we're both very well here. We're fighting fit and smiling. That's good. Never seen the world brighter. Yeah. Good. I've got a Daphne plant that's growing on the south side of the house, outside, and it's about four years old and it's about a metre high and it's coming into blossom. But the leaves are sort of hanging down on the stems. It's sort of... Um, the leaves have sort of flattened out and become elongated and they sort of lie down. It sort of looks a bit strange and I'm not sure why. Almost like it's lack of water, but it's definitely not lack of water and it's not overwatering either. So is it the cold? I don't think it is. Uh, we've got them at work, and yeah, they're all budding up at the moment. Often I would say if it's on the south side of the house and it's been raining, then... You know, the south side of the house often doesn't get, um, you know, the, the rain too well. Um, but uh, that, that's obviously not the problem with yours. Have you, treat, have you got any fungicides at home? Because it might be worth giving it a treatment with a fungicide. Now, I've looked under the leaves and it's not, has any diseases or bugs or pests on it anywhere. It's yeah. still a very healthy, deep green. Um, it still looks okay. It hasn't dropped any leaves. Okay. It's just... The leaves are just sort of elongated and sort of laying flat down against the stem of the plant, yeah. or almost. At 45-degree angle, instead of sitting out 90 degrees, so it's weird. I mean, it has been cold, but it's you know, not as cold as it gets down in Melbourne, where they really thrive no. down there. What Daphne's actually don't like is, is humid weather, and that's why I'm sort of pressing the, the button on, you know, perhaps it's some sort of fungal disease that it's got. Okay. It might be worth yeah. going and getting a fungicide, a fungicide, this one called Fungarid, which is very good, and you can actually water yep. that over the plant and into the soil as well, and it will absorb that up. Uh, I'd just okay. make sure it's also being well watered, even though it's been raining... Uh, you know, sometimes plants just miss yeah. out. Um, oh, so, no, it's definitely it's got its own watering system. So, I mean, it's... Uh, okay, it's, now, you're sure the watering system's working? Because often that's another problem. Yeah. It might be blocked or something in that area. So, always just yeah. go out and check it and make sure it's actually watering yeah. it. Yep, okay. No, I've, done all, I've done all of those okay. normal things. <laughs> and that's why I thought I would ring you because, to me, it's very strange and, and I just don't understand the, you know, the behaviour of this particular plant because yeah. it's only recently done it and I've had it there for four years happily minding its own business and it's coming into pub and doing all the normal things which is it they, looks sad because the leaves are sort of pointing down yeah look so they, Daphne's can be a nod plant the other thing yeah. it could be is it could there's uh, you can have chafer grubs in the soil uh, and they're the yeah. pupa of the Christmas beetle so it might be worth getting an insecticide and mixing okay. that up and actually drenching the soil in the area as well okay Good point. Yep. Those okay. chafer grubs are in there. If they're in there, they could be eating the root system of the plant away, and that's why yep. you know she's not looking too healthy for you. Yeah, but all the other plants around, it's surrounded by beautiful violets and things, and they're, they're looking beautiful at the moment too because they're all in flower. Yeah, so, often, often you know the chafer grub will you know lay its eggs, and they're in a very contained area, so they could just be you know okay. in around uh, where your Daphne is, just you know out okay. of out of bad luck. So I'd do that. I'd grab some fungarid. I'd grab uh, an insecticide, drench the uh, soil in the area, and also treat it for okay. a fungicide. And you're really covering all bases then. Okay. okay. Yeah, because they're so hard to establish, Daphne. They really are. They they really are very difficult plant to grow here in Newcastle. Yeah. Well, so far so good, except for it looks like it's 
having a major fault. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do for it. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Bye, Helen. Cheers, Helen. We've got Grant from Redhead. He's looking how to promote his lawn growth coming up to spring. Um, yes, Grant. Hey, what's been happening with your lawn? Um, not real bright, Scott. Um, I, I got some turf delivered um, around February, March, and stuff. Yeah. I don't think I've prepared the soil very good. You know, Redhead's really sandy soil. It is, yeah. Yeah. And um, anyway, about three quarters of, the, of it's taken, Scott. You know. And then, but I've got a quarter of it that hasn't taken, but it's still got runners in that quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I get those runners to come on when spring hits? Yeah, so it's really not you know much use doing anything at the moment. What I'd be doing is getting some sea salt uh, because it's fantastic for the root system, and you need to boost the root system of your lawn to get it uh, up and running. So. So that's what they said at Bunnings, so that was good. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. That's all right, mate. So at the start of August, I'd grab some sea salt and start treating it with that. And then as you get towards mid-August and you start to feel that change in the weather, I'd get a fertiliser that's more high in nitrogen and uh, start using that on the lawn. Uh, look, there's a one called Blade Runner, which is very good. Uh, it's a, a neutral product. And so I'd grab some of that and start spreading that in mid-August and give it a feed then. But at the start of August, start using uh, your sea sol just to build it up, uh, build up the root system of the lawn. So, so, so Scott, where, where, the, where the runners are going through, um, should I get a pitchfork and dig the soil up a little bit and um, separate, like, you know, get the weeds out, obviously? Uh, look, I guess if it's still fairly matted, that might might help to dig it up a little bit. Uh, rather than actually disrupt the runners and their root system, I'd be more inclined to, once you get to mid-August or even late August, to get some top dress and lightly top dress that area. So ra- rather than actually disrupting what's there, you're actually going to promote it by letting it grow through. So you've sort of got a three-pronged attack here. You need the sea salt at the start of August, uh, a high nitrogen fertiliser like Blade Runner uh, mid-August, and then as you get towards the end of August, start of September, you would start to use a top dress just to try and uh, promote that growth. You're a champion, mate. Good on you, Scott. First time, I've, first time I've ever been told that, but um, I'll do the victory lap. That's all right. We've got it on tape. Okay. <laughs> so it's just one quick one before you go. Yes. Um, I've got another spot around the back, and I've got it need to get a little bit more turf to put there. But with the sandy soil, should I mix in, like, chicken manure or cow manure? or How should I get to to build that soil to make it a bit better, Scott? You certainly can use fowl manure because it's the, the one that's high in nitrogen, uh, but obviously you can't plant directly into that. So if you're going to do that, you'd have to you know, start a couple of weeks before you're planning to plant yep. and uh, dig that through, and then you could actually plant over the top of that. Right up. Okay. Good on you, um, okay. so you've you, you got a good personality. You're doing a good job, mate. So um, keep up the good work, Oh, uh, I love the love that's going around here. Thank you, Grant. Do you two want to exchange phone numbers? Or? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll shout, you've got to shout me that cart later on, okay? Not a problem. <laughs> Thanks for that, Grant. See you later, Grant. It's gardening talk back on 2NURFM. Just a quick one, Scott. Because we had like a long winter, would that mean it would be... No, long summer, sorry, because that Indian summer. Yes. So would that mean winter will go longer? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I probably should have asked a Do I look person. like a meteorologist to you? <laughs> well, kind of. Kind of. I, I don't know. I think usually you get that turn of season mid-August. I always akin it to like a light switch going on. You yep. just start to feel the days getting longer and you feel that warmth starting to come in the air. Is that a satisfactory answer? That's pretty good. Okay. I'm happy with it. Thank you. Now, Scott, earlier we had a call from Kevin from Gahiba. 
about iron. Is it shellate? Yes, iron shellate. And we iron have found sulfate. out... That, and, and iron sulfate. Are they interchangeable? The answer to that is yes. yes. They are interchangeable. I did not know that. Uh, I have now found out by the magic of Google. Thank you, Google. That, search uh, engines are available. They are. That uh, shellation just means to combine with a metal. Oh. Yeah, so that's all that means. I've learned something new every day. Yeah, so you can use iron sulfate. I've always thought that iron sulfate was used to get rid of moss in the lawn, but I never heard of iron shellate being used for that. Right. Yeah, so if you've got moss in your lawn, you can actually mix up iron sulfate and water it in, and it will get rid of the moss in the lawn. Oh, can yeah. you do that on footsteps as well? I'd say you could, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Something for me to do tomorrow. Okay. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and FM. We've got Sandra from Mount Hutton, and she's got onion weeds in a lawn. Sandra, that doesn't sound good. It is difficult to get rid of onion weed in the lawn because no one's actually come up with uh, an answer to get rid of onion oh. weed selectively. You can get rid yeah. of it, you can get rid of it using zero, but you, as soon as you touch anything else with the zero or the glyphosate, it's actually going to kill it. Now, I always. I always say to people with onion weed in the lawn, don't worry about it too much. Because what's happening is in winter, the grass has stopped growing, but the onion weed keeps growing and you merely see it. And in summer, when the grass is growing, you're mowing all the time and you tend just to mow the onion weed out. So I guess if you're sort of worried about the onion weed in the lawn, uh, you're probably best just to uh, just mow it regularly in winter as well and just get rid of it that way. Because there's unfortunately no way you can selectively get it. Digging it out is impossible. You'll actually just spread it further and further through the lawn if you do that and disrupt it more. So, uh, yeah, definitely the best way is to uh, just, just mow it um, regularly, almost as if you were uh, mowing the lawn in summer. Then you just won't notice it. And another question. I didn't know, does three-leaf clover, do they have little flowers on them? Is that the good luck one or the bad? How, how many leaves do you need for good luck? Three for good luck, isn't it? Or it's, okay. no, it's four. Four, four, four. Okay, so you need four. Uh, yes, you do get little um, flowers on clover and the bees love it. They come around and they go chick, 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 and do the bee thing and um, put the pollen in behind their legs. And uh, yeah, they quite like it. So it's, it's almost like a tiny little white sort of uh, pom-pom sort of protea flower. flower, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, it very is. Yeah, yeah. You, don't have to be yeah. Irish, you don't have to be Irish to like it. No. To be sure, to be sure. <laughs> Thanks very much, Scott. That's all right. Thank you, Sandra. Right. Cheers, Sandra. We've got Deborah from Mannering Park. Can you do your bee impression again, just real quick? Oh, the And I've got my little hands sort of putting the pollen in behind oh, me, under my wings. It makes it worthwhile. It does, yeah. <laughs> I've actually worn a bee outfit. It's quite fun to do that. Okay. Yeah. Nice little stinger. Yep. Buzzed around everywhere. <laughs> We've got Deborah from Mannering Park, and she's got a question about spots on her dragon fruit plants. Hello, Deborah. Hi, how's things? Yes, pretty well. So you've got problems with uh, there be no dragons out at Mannering Park. Well, that's not true, is it? Because there must be. And there's lots of dragons here. Oh, dear. How can we help but you with it? For some reason, we've noticed our dragon fruit plant it develops like um, a black spot and it just gradually eats away the flesh until there's just a raw spine. Okay. Uh, so obviously you can't rub it off. Uh that's no, no. no. Some, 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 I was thinking it might have been a fungus of some sort, and you can actually sort of scrape them off, or it might have been a, a scale insect that you can scrape off. 
that... some parts it seems to develop like a blister, but it goes all the way through both sides of the flesh and just straight through it. Now, the only thing that sort of brings to mind to me is on orchids, you can actually get a virus that starts as a sort of a funny black spot on them, and it does the same thing. It all of a sudden creates this hollow in the leaf. And it uh, actually just, you know, sort of wrecks up the leaf over time and keeps on yeah. spreading. Uh, unfortunately, if it is a virus, the only thing to do is to prune those leaves off and discard them. Uh, and that's the same with most viruses. On You can get viruses on roses, all sorts of things. And the only way to actually get rid of it is to, is to uh, yeah, cut it off and stick it in the garbage. Uh, so if that's the case, is it possible, do you think, you can actually just prune that off? Or? It'll break my heart. Oh, okay. So it's all over the plant, is it? It's quite bad, yes. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that can happen is sometimes you can get sap-sucking insects like little mites and they'll land on the plant and where they sting, they they sort of kill the plant in that little area. So you will get a, a portion of dieback, like a spot that will die back in that area. Right. So it, it might be worthwhile for you to get uh, some sort of systemic spray or eco-world you can use uh, and actually spray that over the plant just to make sure that there's uh, you know no sap-sucking insects or mites that are doing damage to the plant. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, so I'd grab some eco oil. It's safe to use on uh, fruiting plants and give that a try. Okay, thank you very much, Scott. That's not a problem. We love your work. Thank you. And I, I thought that a dragon would actually, you know, the dragon plant would be able to like turn around and breathe fire on anything that was attacking it. You're watching, you're watching too much TV. <laughs> we, we were thinking the same thing, but and it certainly is. We, we live in a house called Dragon's Lair. Ah, so, uh, and, and there I thought we were on Middle Earth there for a while. <laughs> you, you were actually on the right time, but um, my, all of my dragons have not gotten rid of the dust. if that's what it is. But we'll try. We'll start off conservatively first because. I've had some beautiful fruit, so I don't really want to lose the, the fruiting part. Yeah, so try that eco oil. If worse comes to worse, cut a piece off and take it into your local garden centre and let them have a look at it and see if they can help you out with it. Excellent. Okay. Thank you very thanks, much. Thanks, Deborah. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Deborah. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you'd like to ask Scott a question, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Brett from Lambton. He's looking how to prune his Christmas bush. It's not Christmas yet, and it's probably not quite time to... Christmas your... in July. It's Christmas in July. Hello, Hello, Brett. Hello, Brett. How can we help you with it? Oh, I'm just curious. I've got a fairly large Christmas uh, bush tree. Yes. And I was wondering how heavily I'm allowed to actually prune it without killing it. So is that the New South Wales Christmas bush, mate? I would imagine so, yes. Yeah, sort of a tall, upright tree that actually flowers at, at Christmas time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're a native. They can be a little bit touchy. So I'd use the old rule of thumb on this one uh, to only prune about a third of the plant off. Uh, I certainly wouldn't go back into the really hard wood on a New South Wales Christmas bush. You don't want it to turn up its um, tail and die on you. Yeah, well, that's what I was concerned about. That's why I thought I'd check first. How big's the plant now, mate? Uh, fairly large. Tall as a house. Oh, okay. Uh, so are you going to attack it yourself or get an arborist in to do it for you? I was going to do it myself. Okay. Look, I'd, I'd only do about a third of the plant. I wouldn't go any more than that with a New South Wales Christmas bush. Okay. Okay. Not a problem. No worries. Thank you for that. Okay. Thank you, Brett. And we've got Ray from Toronto. How can we help you, Ray? Hey, good night, mate. How are you going? Yeah, pretty well. Uh, uh, two things. Uh, the clover uh, that the lady was talking about with the flower, the three-leaf one. Yes. Uh, we used to call that sour grass. You can actually eat the stems. Oh, oh. I, Okay. 
It doesn't sound all it doesn't, uh, delightful. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's a sour taste. We used to chew it as kids, but I actually encourage it to grow simply for that. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, just wander around doing your gardening and just pick a piece out. And it's, yeah, it's slightly sour. It's uh, not too bad. It doesn't make, anyway, you, my, my, doesn't make you work faster or anything like that when you're chewing <laughs> it? Not a natural. If only, if only yeah. Um, no, I tend to be a bit slower these days. <laughs> but my question's about uh, fig cuttings. Uh, I have a, a fig cutting that uh, I have from my grandfather's tree. It's a, a very old black fig. But I was wondering what's the best time to do fig cuttings. Yeah, fig cuttings, I, I wouldn't do them quite yet. I'd always wait till they're just starting to uh, bud. You know, it's just when you see that bud starting to come on them because that means the sap stream's running. Uh, I think if you probably were to cut them now, as a, you know, you can actually prune them if you want to, but if you were to use it as a cutting now, you probably wouldn't get a very good result out of it. Uh, so I'd just wait until you see that bud swell on your fig and then I'd uh, get, take your cuttings then and try and strike them. Yeah, okay. Mine are just starting to come on on the tip now. They're uh, probably about a centimetre green on the tip. Oh, okay. So what you're talking about is the buds coming off the sides? Yeah, or... d- yeah, just when you start to see that bud swell, that's when I'd get it because you know the plant's actually, you know, it's preparing itself to start to grow for the new season. So once you stick it into some, uh, you know, cutting um, uh, com- um, compost, uh, then it's actually going to actually uh, strike for you. Is there a, a thickness you should basically look at or anything like when you're taking the cuttings like uh, or old wood or... Uh-huh. Uh, no, don't take for, with cuttings. You always take it just you know from the top of the plant, just where it's starting to turn hard. So you still want it sort of green, but just where it's starting to turn. And one or two nodes. Uh, yeah, that should be fine for it as well. Yeah, and take as many as yep. you can. Um, you know, when you're starting out, you often don't get as good a strike rate as you know when you're professional at it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've had a lot of failures. Thanks. <laughs> we have too. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for that. Okay, thanks for that, Ray. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Jeez, no worries, Ray. Now, Scott, you've got an email. Apparently I do. It's a it's a revelation to me. Technology's almost overtaken us here. It is. It has. It's like a Formula One car that's sneaked up behind us, and here it is. Apparently, if you email me on gardening at 2NURFM.com, you can send in pictures and ask questions, and we'll endeavour to reply to them. Try and answer them the following week. Yeah. A fellow called Wayne actually sent us in a picture. He knew about it. Right. He sent us in a picture of a lily pilly with sort of pimples all over the new growth. That's the best way of describing it. Okay. Uh, they're actually psyllids, and you can get rid of those using insect... Moisturizer? Moist... <laughs> yes, you can do that. <laughs> uh, or insect and mite killer. <laughs> that, uh, and you can also prune those psyllids out. They're just a little insect that get in underneath the leaf, and they only attack the new growth. So if you use it when you see the new growth, the insect and mite killer, and once the uh, the leaves actually harden up it shouldn't get into it after that very good yeah that's the best way to describe it pimples fair enough and what's that email address again scott it's gardening at 2nurfm.com I like to keep it simple exactly yeah. so if you've got any emails for scott sharp you can send him an email we've got patricia from western and she's got a question about brown grass and lack of fruit on orange and grapefruit and mandarin trees that doesn't sound too good patricia how can we help you with it well up uh- um, that's what I'm ringing you for. I'm hoping that you can tell me because I'm an absolute idiot when it comes to gar- gardens. But, oh, join, um... join the club. Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the grass is just getting browner and browner and people roll their eyes and go, aha, frost. But we, we really haven't had that much up here. It's been cold, uh, but not, you know, not overly as far as the frost is concerned. 
I mean, the answer to that is you probably in in winter, uh, the insects that are going to attack your grass, like uh, lawn grub and uh, and black beetle, aren't around. So it's not going to be anything like that that's actually uh, attacking your lawn up there in Western. You know what? I'd be inclined to think it probably is just the cold at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, look, up until the last you know little while, it's actually been fairly dry. It's been yeah. very very windy, and the wind will actually. Oh, dry. So yeah. we did have a bit of rain, but then we had the wind, and it just dries it out straight away. I'd be thinking we've just had a you know this touch of rain the last week, yeah. and we seem to have a bit of you know warmth and sunlight out there. Sunny periods, they call them apparently in the oh, weather okay. vernacular. <laughs> Uh, I'd uh, I'd just be inclined to wait a week or so. I reckon you might see your grass start to green up just a touch oh. in this next week or two. Oh, true, because I wasn't sort of sure if I should be sprinkling something on it or... No, you know. look, it's fertilising at the moment. Uh, you know, it's not next to useless, but uh, it's not going to do much. It's generally just going to leach back down through the soil without doing any good because the grass is in almost a dormant stage. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, sticking... Uh, you know, a bit of fruit cake and, uh, you know, a nice gin and tonic next to me in bed when I'm asleep, I'm not going to drink it and I'm not going to scoff it down. And that's the sort of thing that's happening uh, with the grass at the moment. It's asleep. You give it a feed and a drink. Yeah. Uh, not much is going to happen because it just, you know, it's asleep at the moment. It's not so, ready yet. Yeah. Okay. So wait till mid-August and then go and give it a nice fertilise. All right. Thanks, Scott. What, what kind of fertilise? There's a fantastic product called Blade Runner. Uh, and look, I, I know I love the movie and I'm always talking about Blade Runner, the movie, which apparently they're making a sequel to. Uh, but it is actually a very good product. It's a very good product because it was a very good movie. <laughs> very good. Well, this is going to show my ignorance even worse now. How yes. do you spell it? Uh, Blade Runner, B-L-A-D-E-R. Oh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yes. Okay. Yeah. Don't you love my sense of logic here? You know, it's a good product because it was a good movie. <laughs> Now this is this is too late, obviously, because I, um, the, the fruitings sort of stopped doing it. But um, I had two beautiful. I've got uh, pink grapefruit, yes, and two beautiful pink grapefruit, five very very juicy mandarins, mm-hmm. and no oranges. Okay, so have you been fertilising just using lawn clippings or poultry manure mostly around your? Uh, citrus trees? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, because citrus trees, they are very heavy feeders. So, uh, you know, you do have to fertilize about three or four times a year. Oh, and, right. Yeah. So you can use poultry manure. Don't sort of, they do actually like it. Uh, but in addition to that, you need to use an all round citrus fertilizer. And the reason for that is because it's got a lot of other elements and minerals in there, including potash, uh, which will promote the flowering of the plant. Right. Uh, now, well, did you just follow the instructions on the uh, container I, or whatever, do you? Yes, or? because there's going to be different ones they're going to have different application rates so you just have to follow that look the other thing people always ring in about it and i always go poo 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 and it's the, it's to get some ice uh you know and put that around the base of the tree to try and trick it especially oranges yeah uh, to try and trick it into uh you know that it's actually very cold and winter and there's some sort of chill around it right. and uh, they always say that it's going to fruit better so you might as well you know for the sake of a couple of bags of ice you can give that a try as well Give it a go. And if you ring in and say it actually worked, I will never be able to say poo-poo again. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get on that. (laughs) Thanks, Scott. That's all right. Well, good luck with it, Patricia. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Patricia. We've got Val from Rutherford, and she's got questions regarding roses, which is quite handy because you're going to talk about that. We are. The the beautiful beauty of nature just struck me on Sunday. How can we help you with your roses, Val? Uh, I'm just wondering... um, I've got a few standard roses and they're just shooting beautifully at the moment and I'm just wondering, should I still prune them? Oh, yes, yes. Look, uh, you can prune. Uh, 
You can prune right through almost until the start of August if you want to. Sometimes we'll leave it quite late. Uh, uh-huh. So, yes, it, it, we've been pruning roses already, and it certainly is time to, to go and do them now. You don't leave them any later than, uh, you know, probably the start of August, really. Uh, yeah, I've been cutting roses off them for, you know, months. You know, the yeah. weather's been so good. And are they standard? And they're just shooting. You know, they've got new leaves all over them everywhere, and I just wondered, should I cut them back? Are they standard icebergs, the ones you've got there, Val? Two of them are. The rest of them are just different coloured ones. Yeah, because the trouble with the standard icebergs is that they just keep on growing and keep on flowering and you don't know when to actually prune them. Uh, mm. But look, now, certainly any time from now, you're quite safe to prune the roses. So you've, you know, you've got you know, another couple of weeks or so and, uh, yeah, get it done. Always give them okay. a good bucket full of poultry manure around yes, each one. I heard mother saying that last week. Oh, she knows best, doesn't she? <laughs> she does. <laughs> she knows okay. best. And, uh, and some... cut all this new growth off. Yes, certainly do. Try and make it into a nice sort of cradle shape so there's no, uh, you know, branches crossing yes. over each other in the middle. And yes. uh, always try and get those, no, you know, those nodes, those buds, uh, you know, facing outwards so you get that nice shape building outwards. And then after you've given it the poultry manure in about two weeks' time, you can give them some uh, general rose food as well. Okay, okay. Thank you very much for that. Okay, that's not a problem. Thank Thanks, you, Val. Scott. Bye. Cheers. Cheers, thanks very much, Val. We've got Mick from Wood Rising. He's got a question regarding his frangipani tree. So is it, uh, how's it going, mate? Is it keeping you feel nice and tropical in the middle of winter? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, had it, it, I moved in here about a year and a half ago, and it was um, in August. It had already dropped all of its leaves by then. And yes. then uh, before the next season started, I had it trimmed down by about a metre. It's about four or five metres high with a spread of about a six-metre diameter. Yes. Doesn't smell very um, fragrant during the summer months, but here it is. It dropped a few leaves. I think probably in the cold spell in early April, late April, but and then it started flowering again. And now it's just sitting there, looking like it's the middle of summer. Yeah, I know. It's I've noticed that uh, mine at home has dropped all its leaves, but the next door neighbour's got a different variety, and it's still got you know a few buds of flowers coming on it. Uh, look, all I can put that down to is the vagary of the uh, the weather. As Greg said just before, you know, we had an Indian summer that just stretched on and on and on. And, you know, you get a bit of, you know, cold and then some rain and, uh, you know, it might be a trigger for it. You get a warm day and all of a sudden it thinks maybe it's time. Uh, Look, don't be too concerned about it. Once it gets to mid-August, September, it'll get its proper flush on then. Uh, So it's it's not like your normal deciduous tree that seems to sink with the calendar. It sinks more with the weather. The frangipanis seem to do that. they They can be quite odd like that. Uh, the, the only other thing I would suggest to you, and it's probably not so bad at wood rising, but if you're up the valley somewhere, uh, if you've still got those really tender green tips on the frangipani and you mm. knew you were going to get a really cold night or you know a frost, I'd actually toss you know an old blanket or an old sheet over the top of it just to try and protect those those green tips. I know yours is pretty big, so it's probably not going to work for you too well. Uh, uh, I think I might just see what happens to yeah. it. Yeah. Look, I noticed that with mine last year. It had all these beautiful green tips on it, and we had a really cold spell. And all of a sudden, they just blackened off and died on me. So it sort of set it back a yeah, little bit. Yeah, every other penny in the streets lost its leaves. There's one that's um, got a couple of green tips, but they're a lot smaller. Yeah, yeah so uh, look, I, if you can protect it, do so. But I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Um, you know, once it warms up, all will come good again for you. Don't need to fertilise it anymore, seeing as it's not dropping any leaves and going dormant. Look, I wouldn't worry about it. It's four to five metres. She's a pretty advanced plant. Um, you know, fertilising. If you dumped a bag of cow manure around it every now and again, it's not going to hurt it at all. Cool. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you Great for that. Job. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks very much, Mick. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 when you are at FM. Scott Show, we're almost out of time. We are. 
Very good, Scott Sharp. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Our winners for our competition. Yes. Why don't we give it to Grant out at Redhead, who is having some problems with his lawn. Very good. So what can we help Grant out with? I was thinking uh, if he comes in, we will give him some sea salt to help his, uh, the root system of his lawn along. Too easy. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you, Grant. Hopefully your lawn improves. It certainly will. Scott Sharp, I will see you in two weeks. I'm away next week. You're away. I'm away the week after, and we'll convene after that. It's going to be an emotional time for both of us.